The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. COVID 19 pandemic continuing coverage on 630 Chad. At 337, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, taking to the podium at the Alberta Legislature for her daily update. Uh, let's go to her live. It has now been three weeks since Alberta's first case of COVID-19 was identified. To many Albertans, it probably feels like a lot more time has passed. Today, I want to talk about our efforts to slow this virus and what the next three weeks may hold. First, I will update you on today's numbers. We have confirmed 67 new cases of COVID-19 in Alberta. There have now been 486 cases identified in the province. We suspect that 34 of these cases may be community transmission, an increase of one from yesterday. Right now, 21 individuals are being treated in hospital, with 10 currently in the ICU. We have also learned that 13 symptomatic individuals from the McKenzie long-term care facility have now tested positive, an increase of eight from yesterday. They are self-isolating and receiving care. As of right now, there are no additional confirmed cases in the other continuing care and group home settings that I talked about yesterday. Today, I am pleased to share that we can confirm 27 Albertans have recovered from COVID-19 an increase of 24 from previously reported numbers. As I mentioned previously, we are working on streamlining the process for reporting recovered cases, and we expect that this number will increase in the coming days. We continue to confirm new cases in every zone and in all age groups. We are all being impacted by this virus. Three weeks ago, I said that COVID-19 would test our health system. To date, our health system has responded remarkably to that test. While it is a privilege to be seen by Albertans as the face of this response, there are countless unsung heroes behind the scenes. For example, this time last month, our labs were completing only a handful of COVID-19 tests every day. They have increased their capacity to over 3,000 tests per day. Contact tracers in all zones are working tirelessly to make sure that anyone who is in contact with a confirmed case of COVID-19 is notified and knows to self-isolate. Alberta Health Services continues to make great strides to ensure our health system is resourced and ready to respond as the situation evolves. From HealthLink to assessment centres, from hospitals to home care, and all healthcare providers in the community I want to express my heartfelt admiration for all healthcare professionals in this province who are working to respond to this virus. They are on the front lines, working countless hours in difficult circumstances to slow the spread and keep us safe. Of course, it's not just healthcare workers who are heroes in this response. Across Alberta, first responders, community leaders, social services workers, and workers in shelters for vulnerable Albertans, to name just a few, as well as custodians and cleaning staff in facilities that care for people in healthcare or other settings. All of these have undertaken tremendous work to support this response and to protect Albertans. From me and from every Albertan, I want to say thank you for all that you are doing to help keep us all safe and healthy. I also want to recognize the tremendous work that Indigenous leaders, communities and healthcare workers are doing to respond to this virus. 
For example, I am told by my colleagues uh, working with the Indigenous Nation in Siksika that in a matter of days, the Siksika First Nation established call lines for information and mental health supports, including a Blackfoot translation line for their elders. Yesterday, Siksika Health Services launched a new COVID-19 response unit. It will operate 24-7 to assess anyone self-isolating in their homes and offer testing when appropriate. They have also worked with physicians to quickly establish a satellite clinic in the community to deliver COVID-19 care when needed. This is just one example, but I know there are many more across Alberta. We will continue to recognize the work of other Indigenous communities in the coming weeks. This virus has challenged us all, and so many have risen to that challenge with hope and resilience. Our system has responded with strength and ingenuity, but I want Albertans to understand there will be challenges coming in the next weeks. We have all seen what has occurred in countries like Italy and Spain. We are doing everything possible to prevent that from happening in Alberta by limiting the number of people who will need hospital care by preventing the spread of this virus. To further support and protect those at greatest risk of exposure to COVID-19, Alberta Health Services has developed an online assessment tool specifically for healthcare workers, which will launch tomorrow morning. Any healthcare worker in Alberta who is experiencing symptoms of fever, sore throat, cough, runny nose, shortness of breath, or difficulty breathing is asked to visit www.ahs.ca forward slash COVID to complete the new healthcare worker online assessment. This unique tool for healthcare workers is in addition to the public online assessment tool that remains available for all Albertans. Many other decisions may also need to be made in the coming days as our health system works to free up space, increase capacity, and use every doctor, nurse, and staff member as effectively as possible. The health system is preparing for every possible scenario in the days ahead. I continue to remind all Albertans that their decisions, our decisions, will impact our health and the health of everyone around us. We don't need a rule or an order to make practical adjustments in our daily life to limit the risk for ourselves and our loved ones. I want to reiterate my call to please stay home if you are sick. Always wash your hands regularly for at least 20 seconds throughout the day with soap and warm water. Practice social isolation, let me say physical distancing rather than social isolation in every possible facet of your lives. Three weeks ago, our new normal became more real as we confirmed our first case. I know it has impacted every one of us. It will continue to do so, but we will rise to meet these new challenges in the days to come. As I've said before, we need to face this together and respond to this extraordinary crisis with extraordinary kindness. Continue to look out for each other and take care of yourselves. Your health is and always will be our top priority. Thank you, and I'm happy to take questions. Uh, yep. Uh, did you say 27 Albertans have recovered so far? That's correct. So, uh, so the uh, 486 total cases, does that include 27 people who have recovered, or do you deduct that recovered number from your total number of cases, meaning 486 is the total number of people currently infected with COVID? Uh, 486 is the total that have ever been a case, so it includes those 27 that have now recovered. Yep. Dean? Can you, uh, 
I'm trying to remember over the last four days, I think the community transmission numbers, I think they were flat for two days, up for five, and then up one. So that seems pretty pretty good. I'm just wondering if you can elaborate on what that might be, why that is, and what that might mean for flattening the curve. So one of the things to note about those community numbers is, and again, it's encouraging to, to have only one different. One of the things that happens with those community transmission numbers, because we have such a volume of, of cases coming in every day, we rely on sort of administrative markers to see which ones aren't linked to a known source. And sometimes when they first come in, they show up in that category. And then uh, when we do further investigation, we find out actually they were linked to a known source so uh, the, the up one actually involves we've taken a few off the list from previously and so we've had a few extra come in so and then we probably need to look at a better way of doing that to reflect the true daily increase uh, over time in terms of the number of new cases. Uh, what I would say is that our total number of, of community acquired cases that we are getting seems to be pretty constant day to day at this point, but we are still in the middle of that transition from testing mostly returning travelers to starting to test healthcare workers. So I think it's a little early to draw significant conclusions about those numbers, and we will know more as we go forward in the coming days and we start expanding that testing for healthcare workers uh, because that will help us understand more about community transmission. Hello? Can I follow up for Dr. Jaffe? You mentioned yesterday your, one of your priorities is space. You mentioned that again today. What does that mean? What space are you looking for and where are you looking for this space? So, uh, as I've said, uh, excuse me, several times, Alberta Health Services uh, staff and physicians have been working feverishly for a number of weeks now to plan for the space that we're going to need in order to care for Albertans. In Alberta, we have approximately 8,500 hospital beds. We are planning for a need for approximately 2,250 hospital beds to care for individuals with COVID-19. Now, some of those, most of those will come from the 8,500. So, for example, we've postponed surgical procedures, elective surgical procedures. That frees up a significant number of beds. At the same time, we know we need to find additional beds, and uh, we, uh, our teams are, are doing exactly that, looking for care spaces uh, in hospital wards that may have been closed, hadn't been in use, uh, looking for spaces where it can be done safely, adding a third bed into a two-bedroom, for, for example where this, the, the uh, safe distancing can be maintained uh, and going through every possible uh, location within our hospitals to see where care might be provided in the event that we need to. Sorry, just to clear, follow up on that, then, are you looking at non-care spaces? Are we looking at hot, uh, hotel rooms maybe or, or large community centers? For so the entire community uh, will be part of this response. And we are looking at potential hotel space. That's not necessarily to provide acute care for individuals who require hospitalization, but we may have individuals who are diagnosed with COVID-19 who are living in a circumstance where we don't really want them to return. They may be exposed to too many other individuals. We are going to need to find space for those individuals to recover from their illness so that they don't transmit to others. Uh, hotel space might be one example, uh, and, and there are many other examples that, that are being uh, sought as we speak. Julia? Um, this question will be for Dr. Hinshaw. I just want to ask again about the Mackenzie Town Continuing Care Centre. So you said 13 symptomatic residents have now tested positive. At what point will you know whether that situation is contained? 
So we are still in relatively early days and with the long incubation period of the virus, I think it will take some time before we are able to tell if that if all of the people who were exposed at the beginning of this outbreak uh, have passed through that incubation period. What's important is that every single one of the residents there, both those who have symptoms, those who don't have symptoms, uh, that they're all getting the support and care that they need and that anyone who does have symptoms is kept away from others uh, and that all of the appropriate precautions in terms of cleaning um, and again, support for the, the staff and the residents that that's all taking place right now, but it will take some time because of that long incubation period. I expect we will see more cases in the days to come. And then just to quickly follow up on those other facilities that we talked about yesterday, you said no new cases were found in any of them. Would you still consider at least the one in the adult group home an outbreak? Yes, yes. There are three confirmed cases in that group home, so we would consider that to be an outbreak. Go to the phone now, and then we'll come back to the room. Uh, operator, could you pass through the first question, please? Yes, first question is from Jason Herring with the gauntlet. Jason, your line is open. Hi there. Um, for Dr. Henshaw, please. It's been said that um, it's been said that it'll be about two weeks after uh, any measures put in place that we're going to see the impact of it. Uh, it's been two weeks since the mass gathering ban of 250 people was put in place. Are we going to be seeing the curve flattening in the next few days? So that's a, an excellent question, and one of the challenges that uh, we face with evaluating the impacts of all of the efforts that we've undertaken is uh, that we have two sources of, of the virus. So we know that one of the sources of confirmed cases, and it has been our major source to date, are those who are returning from outside the country. So those individuals who've been outside the country, were exposed outside the country, and have since come into Alberta, our measures that we are taking are to prevent any further further spread beyond and as you know we've we've uh, just yesterday put in a legal requirement in addition to our previous recommendation that any of those people would be staying at home and in self-isolation for two weeks. So again our total numbers will likely not be significantly impacted by that 250 mass gathering uh, because again the numbers of returning travelers and, and those who then get sick with this um, illness are, are really not affected by that. What we really need to do is prevent community transmission. And our total numbers of community transmission have been relatively low to date. Uh, so I think with respect to seeing the impacts of what we've done in the past week or so, and minimizing community spread, uh, we're actually hoping that we will see a, an overall continuation of flattening of the curve um, and that we won't see a significant spike. Uh, but again, we, we've taken many different steps, so each additional step is going to be layered on in terms of impact. Uh, and we'll just be watching very closely what our numbers are to make sure that we're doing the right thing and, as always, uh, adding any additional measures that we need to to protect Albertans. Operator, could you patch in the next question? Yes, and just a reminder to anyone who may have missed the earlier announcements, uh, due to time, we are only taking one question with uh, no follow-up. Our next question is Tyler Dawson with the National Post. Tyler, your line is open. Hi, um, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, the idiot's question here, which is you've got 486 cases, that's what, like 0.01% of the population. Um, what would you say to people who are looking at those numbers at this point and, and saying that they're not seeing the... the, the the big, huge, terrifying outbreak that they maybe would have expected. 
So I think there's two things I would say. The first thing I would say is that with, uh, as of today, 33 cases where we don't know where they acquired disease, it's clear that we have cases in the community that we have not detected. So those 33 cases are the tip of the iceberg and there are other people who we have not detected who are out in the community who have spread the disease and there may be others who are continuing to spread it. So that is one thing that I would flag is that uh, we need to be really cautious about these numbers. They are only the portion that we have identified. The second thing I would say is that we have 10 people in the ICU right now with 486 cases of disease. So what we know is that that community transmission that is out there right now that we're trying to uh, get a better understanding of by the shift in our testing, uh, that will drive even more cases in the ICU if we can't get a handle on this. And I want to remind everyone that we don't have a vaccine for this virus. We don't, there are treatments that are currently being investigated, but we don't have a clear single treatment that we know can cure this disease. And we know that many people who get it will, those especially who are older and have chronic health conditions, will get very sick and some of them will die. And so if we don't take action now, if we wait until we're in a situation where our hospitals are overwhelmed, it's too late. We have to take these actions now to prevent us from getting to that, uh, that place. Operator, could you patch through the next question? Next question is Rafi Bujikanian with CBC. Go ahead, Rafi. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I don't know if you're familiar with the AUPE's release saying that some workers who work at long-term care homes worry that they've been exposed to the virus and have not received tests. And so I guess I was wondering, what is the process right now for testing healthcare workers who may have been in some of these long-term care homes? The release doesn't name the home, so I can't tell you which one they're talking about, but just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Sure, and I, I haven't seen that release either, but what I would say is that uh, the response to an outbreak in a long-term care home would be very similar to the response that we put in place when we have a confirmed case and we're doing that close contact tracing and investigation, uh, which is that people are notified if they are if they have come into close contact with a confirmed case, so if there was someone who worked in a, in a setting where there was an outbreak in a long-term care facility, uh, then all of those people would be notified. And anyone who had symptoms that was consistent with COVID, and I've listed those out in terms of shortness of breath, uh, runny nose, sore throat, cough, fever, those kinds of symptoms, uh, they absolutely would be tested. And in addition to that, uh, at this point in time, I talked about the fact that as of tomorrow, we will be offering testing for healthcare workers in the province. So going forward, a healthcare worker who worked at a long-term care center anywhere across the province, if they were to experience those symptoms, they would go to that online assessment tool and go through that process to arrange for themselves to be tested. Uh, because we know that those people who are working in healthcare, working frontline healthcare, have a higher risk than the average Albertan of being exposed. So we want to make sure that they have access to testing through this process that I've described. So um, again, if someone was exposed, they would absolutely be tested if they were sick. And even if they are not exposed, in general, we want to make sure we're increasing that testing. So starting tomorrow, um, that would be another route available to them. Uh, back to the room now. I think Janet had the next one. Yeah, a uh, question for Dr. Hinshaw first is based on the trajectory of data you gathered so far on confirmed cases, which 
country or jurisdiction is Alberta most closely emulating as far as the trend? Are we on track to be in Italy, Singapore, South Korea? Well, we aspire to be Singapore. <laughs> uh, and I think, again, we, we are taking measures to try to prevent the spread. Um, but we also know that uh, every country around the world that has experienced this virus has really unique circumstances in terms of their culture, how people interact with each other, what their, their social norms are, what kinds of resources and processes those different countries have in place. Uh, so we're, we're looking at multiple countries and, and trying to put in place those measures that we've seen be successful in places like Singapore. Uh, but ultimately, it, it's a bit early to know. Again, um, some of the countries that had earlier spread, like Singapore or Japan, uh, their cases were being imported mostly from a single place in terms of China at that point in time, whereas we're really at a place now where we're getting cases from all over the world in people who are returning. So we, we have to both emulate what's been successful in other countries, but also adapt those to our own situation and process. So I think it's a bit early to say uh, who we are tracking alongside, but just to say that we definitely, everything we're doing is to avoid ending up in a situation like Italy uh, and to try to be more like those countries that were able to bend the curve. Can I ask a question of Dr. Jaffe? Sure. About, it's a follow-up actually to Dean's questions about bed distribution or looking at alternate accommodations. You know, as we've seen, the numbers across Alberta have not been uniform. We've got maybe two and a half times the number of diagnoses in Calgary zone as compared to Edmonton. Um, how does that affect your contingency plans? Could we see people be moved around the province if, if ICUs get maxed out in one zone compared to another? So that is something that we actually do from time to time uh, during regular times. Uh, we work very well as an integrated health system. We work as one team and uh, our, our teams will respond as they need to. And if we do need to move patients to ensure that they get the best care possible, yes, we will do that. Obviously, we're trying to plan so that we don't need to do that. But if it's necessary, if, uh, if it's deemed that that's how we need to provide the best care for that individual, and yes, that, that could happen. All right, go to Anna, and then back to the phone. So for Dr. Hinshaw, um, with like the goal to get a handle on community spread, and we're still having that maximum 50 limit on public gatherings, mm -hmm. at what point would you change that, or why are we still having uh, that max of 50? So uh, all of the different protective measures that we've put in place have been taken with deliberation, discussion with colleagues in other provinces, uh, looking at our own evidence, and then taking recommendations forward to the Emergency Management Cabinet Committee. And so, you know, with respect to the, the 50 limit, uh, that's something, again, that we're looking at. We're looking at other provinces. As you likely know, different provinces have taken different approaches to that. And so we're assessing, again, experiences from those other jurisdictions, looking at our own data, and constantly evaluating whether or not we would need to be bringing those things forward. Uh, so I think, again, it's it's really a situation that's constantly evolving, and we continue to see, again, these, these numbers of community spread that are concerning. Uh, and so that's always something that we're assessing, you know, again, the numbers, or are there any other measures? And then we take those forward and have those discussions. Uh, we're going to go to the phone now, and then we'll come back to the room. Uh, operator, could you patch to the first question, please? Yes, next question is Kevin Nimick with CTV Calgary. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi there. I actually have a question for Dr. Joffe. Um, we were originally told a couple weeks ago that uh, no 
patients dealing with uh, complicated di diagnosis, things like cancer, so cancer-related procedures. At Alberta hospitals would be delayed as a result of needing room for COVID-19. Is that still the case? So I think what you're referring to is our postponement of elective surgery. And yes, we have postponed elective surgery, but I want to emphasize that we are providing emergency surgery, we're providing urgent surgery, we are providing surgery for cancer care, and of course, cesarean sections as they're needed. So those surgical procedures are going ahead as they were planned. It is only a purely elective surgical procedures that, uh, that we have postponed. Excellent. Operator, could you pass through the next question? Excuse me, next question is Michael King with Global News. Go ahead, Michael. Again, for Dr. Joffe, uh, we've got reports that the former Children's Hospital, uh, I think it's now the Richmond Road Diagnostic Center, that that's going to be targeted as an acute care center. Is this an example of using additional space that's norm normally in use, and what makes it a good location, and then what sort of preparations are needed for a location that hasn't been in that sort of use for, for years. So thank you for that question. I don't have the level of detail that you're asking for. The Calgary Zone will be doing intensive planning to look for potential space. Uh, the, the site you're referring to certainly was a children's hospital uh, for a number of years, but hasn't been used in that capacity for some time. Uh, and I can certainly get back to you if you'd like to know. But again, the, the Calgary Zone is looking at potential space that could be used for patient care and, uh, and will be utilizing any space that seems to be suitable for that purpose. And Michael, uh, AHS Communications can reach out to you with more info. Uh, operator, could you pass through one more question, and then we'll come back to the room for the final ones. Yes, and I apologize in advance for my pronunciation here. The next question is Sarolta Sasqui with City News. Go ahead, please. Close, Sarolta Sasqui. <laughs> um, this question is for uh, Dr. Hinshaw. Um, last week, uh, you said it was okay for people in self-isolation specifically uh, that they weren't locked up in their homes, that they could go out for a walk outside if they wanted. This week, though, uh, with Alberta taking stronger measures and the Quarantine Act, what should people be doing, especially kind of those in self-isolation? Is it safe to even kind of go out in our backyards? So someone who's in self-isolation and feeling well, so those people who came home from out of the province or out of the country, I should say, uh, or those who are close contacts of a confirmed case, if they're feeling totally well, absolutely they can go out in their backyards, they can go out on their deck, they can you know, work in the garden with the weather warming up. Maybe it's not quite garden time, but hopefully soon. Uh, and certainly the if, if they want to go for a walk in their neighborhood, as long as they're two meters apart from others, uh, that's okay for them to be outside as long as they're remaining distant from others. Uh, but ultimately, I think the, the request would be that people stay relatively close to home in case they do start feeling unwell, uh, but they can go out for walks, they can go to their backyard. Uh, that would not be a risk as long as they're two meters apart from others. Excellent. And back to the room, uh, Julia. Oh, yes. I just had a question um, that is related to court-ordered travel to exchange custody of a child. Um, yesterday, you mentioned that we should be restricting travel even to other cities. So should orders be put on hold to abide by that no-travel recommendation? So that's a really good question, and I think that would be an example of where there would be multiple different um, interests at play. So I think it's hard to weigh in on that really specific example, because each 
of those situations, especially as it deals with custody or court orders, will have other factors that are at play around that. So I think what I would say is that uh, if those kinds of, of travel arrangements are being made, uh, that everyone involved in those arrangements would look at the situation, look at the, you know, where is someone going to or coming from. Uh, but the recommendations that, that I made yesterday are really about travel that is uh, more for social purposes. So again, recommending people not travel, not make plans to travel for a large Easter gathering, for example, or a large gathering at, at Ramadan time. Uh, so specific examples like this that are more about a particular issue, I wouldn't recommend that those be limited unless in the, in the evaluation of the circumstance, the people involved agree that that's the case. But in general, I wouldn't recommend that those be limited. Uh, Saskatchewan is now limiting gatherings to no more than 10 people. I was hoping you could explain why that isn't necessary in Alberta yet. So again, I think what I would say is that we continue to evaluate our current situation, the measures that we've already taken, whether or not any of those additional measures might be required. And those things take time because we know that every measure we put in place has an impact on Albertans. Every measure we put in place further restricts people, uh, potentially has an impact on people's livelihoods. So we take these decisions very seriously, but we are having those discussions about whether or not additional measures might be required. And so again, it's just an ongoing process of evaluation and consideration uh, taking into account the need to stop the spread of the virus with the need to make sure that uh, we're not overly disrupting people's livelihoods. Final question to Dean. One question, Dr. Joffe, following up on the bed space that you're looking for, do, does the um, public emergency health decree give you any extra powers to go out into the community to get extra bed space and are you exploring that? Can you go into a, can you take over a hotel or a university dorm or? Uh, so maybe I'll speak to that and, and then Dr. Jaffe can add. So the emergency declaration gives the minister powers to take over space that are needed, that, that might be needed for a response if such space is not available by other means. So it wouldn't be that AHS would do that independently. There would, if, if additional space were needed, if that space could not be um, obtained through other measures, uh, then there is that potential to be able to use those powers. But again, that would be a last resort. And so Alberta Health Services, uh, as Dr. Jaffe mentioned, and as he can speak to more, is using ordinary means to consider procurement of spaces and access to those spaces. So it would be more of a, a ministry decision in discussion with AHS if there was no other way to get that space. Yeah, the ministry would obviously go on your advice. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's, can you go into a private facility? Could you take over, could, could you tell a minister, hey, we, we want to take over this hotel that's right beside the hospital? Could, could the government do that if it wanted to? So the, the legal powers set out in the Public Health Act after a public health emergency is declared, uh, they, they have that as a provision that's a possibility. Again, I want to emphasize that doesn't mean that it will happen, uh, but it is a possibility that's laid out in terms of the powers that are given to government in, a, in an emergent situation such as this. Thanks, everyone. Uh, appreciate you 
tuning in and coming, and we will update you again tomorrow. You have been listening to Dr. Dina Hinshaw's daily update on COVID-19 in the province of Alberta. I can tell you that we've had 67 new cases reported today for a total of 486 in the province. 21 people are in hospital right now, 10 in ICU. Uh, We believe that 34 of these um, cases may have been community transmission. Some good news um, that, uh, well, let's start here. The 13 uh, cases in the McKenzie long-term care uh, building, um, there has been no other confirmed cases in other group settings that we talked about yesterday, so that's the good news. 27 people have recovered from COVID-19 in Alberta. Dr. Hinshaw saying that there will be challenges coming in the next weeks. We've seen what's happened in other countries, but to date our health system has responded very, very well.